Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is your boy, Stevie Jobber. And it's your boy, Dangerous Duke. And we are back again. Welcome to the Dangerous Jobbers podcast, putting wrestling over one podcast at a time. You know this, man. And this is what we do here, man. We start every pod off with the wrestler of the pod. And once again, Dangerous Duke has blessed us with the wrestler of the pod for this week. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so the rest of the pod this week, I kind of wanted to get somebody that is a little bit out there that most people don't really know. In fact, I'm pretty sure majority of the people that listen to this don't know who this is. Um, this is a guy coming out of the South known as the bounty hunter, Brian Keith. He is currently the new Texas pro wrestling heavyweight champion. And then he was also formerly the reality of wrestling TV champion. Mm. So coming out of Booker T's camp, of course, dubbed the fastest kicks in the South. So if you haven't checked this man out, Brian Keith, man of God, the bounty hunter, fastest kicks in the South. You definitely need to check him out because he's quite a talent for sure. Brian Keith, Brian Keith. Got to show some love to those reality of wrestling guys, man. Booker T knows what he's doing. Absolutely. All the way, man. I'm working on 136. Especially the pod number 36, Brian Keith. I know. We, we, we creeping up on that 50 mark soon. Yeah, we got to do something special. Hopefully we can mm. get somebody on here, goddammit. Yeah. Maybe Brian Keith is listening and he can jump on here with us. Let's go. I mean, there's some good people we interact with on Twitter that are wrestling the bots, too. Yeah, Masha Slamovich, Myron Reed. Yeah, we, there's a couple people that we interact with on Twitter. Mm. Shit, I'd love, I'd love to have them all on the show. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know who retweeted us recently? Who's that? Um, TJP. Oh, my God. You're going to make me log off of the channel before me. <laughs> It wasn't about the podcast, but it was it was a retweet about something else. It was a repeat about MLW. Um, eventually, he's going to listen to this and you'll realize this guy's uh, this guy's deserves a super kick or two. He's going to be like, Duke is an asshole. I, I want him in the ring. <laughs> it's like, I really came on the show to challenge Duke. Hey, I'll be down. It'd be, it'd be a great match. It'd be, I'll be there. It'd be, it'd be a great match. I paid good money for that. Toilet paper pee don't scare me. <laughs> toilet paper pee. Oh, or T- man. TJ toilet paper, however you want to call it. Yeah, what's the what's the what's the low news of the week? Um, I don't know if this might be if this might just come as you know basic news or a surprise, but uh, the low news of this week. I mean, we already talked about Monday Night Raw earlier in the week. So, SmackDown, there really wasn't anything on SmackDown. SmackDown, all we had was Edge and Nakamura, or Edge and Nakamura, excuse me, Edge and Seth Rollins mm-hmm. have now been booked for a Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel. If this is their, their way of trying to get the people in the States to watch it, then, you know, A for effort, but F for execution. And, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, I'm just bashing the hell out of Crown Jewel, like just burying them. But 
the show's not really good. It's not, and it's not even the fact that it's not here. It's just, it's not a good show. The shows haven't been good since they started. They haven't done anything of any major significance. So what's the point? All anybody can remember anything about the crown jewels is that they remember all the botches that happened. Like the the one year they did the the fifty man rumble, nobody remembers anything except for Titus falling through the bottom of the ring, and then the other one. And I go ahead. I mean, I guess I can't like. I guess the good thing that I can compliment this time is that they're not shoving the states pay per view in the way of Crown Jewel like they usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still keeping Extreme Rules um, a pretty good way away. No. I would have, did Extreme Rules happen? Yeah, Extreme Rules happened already. I think next up... Would What's their next pay-per-view? I want to say it's probably going to be Survivor Series. Okay, so yeah, they, they're still keeping Survivor Series like further away like they're pushing only crown jewel this time which makes it better for storylines but i feel like where they predicted that because they're only focusing on crown jewel more people will watch it actually just feels like they're building up to a throwaway pay-per-view like i mean though like as as much as i would like to be excited about it Every time I find myself excited for a story, um, they'll announce it's happening at Crown Jewel, and then I'll be like, oh, well, that's not something I'm interested in anymore. I mean, the one thing I'll give them for Crown Jewel right now is that they're not bringing back 85 million legends that nobody wants to see. Literally, the only legend that they're bringing back, I think, is Goldberg. And that's just so Goldberg can have his one last match on the contract. And that's it. Mm. So I mean, for that, okay, we can just let's let's just get the Goldberg stuff out of the way as quick as possible, and call it a day. Yeah, I feel like this would be a solid like C plus, maybe B minus pay per view if it wasn't on Crown Jewel. Yeah, because the Crown the Crown Jewel pay per views just don't seem to deliver. Yeah, and and and, and like I really find it. Socially awkward. (laughs) Socially awkward. Well, because nobody, nobody there, no, I won't say nobody, half the people there don't even really want to be there. Like, it feels different when the crowd is ordered to be at a pay per view. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So it's not like, it's in an arena full of wrestling fans. Um, on top of the fact that most of these matches are gimmick matches, not gimmick in the sense of like Hell in the Cell and Last Man Standing and all of that, but they're gimmick, gimmick in the sense of it's what the prince yeah, wants to gimmick. see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not like exactly. this is a creative so, thing. It's this is what the prince wants to see. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because when they announced when Edge did the promo for the Hell in a Cell, 
I was very excited. I was like, okay, well, maybe we got something here. Mm-hmm. I know they've been leaving Edge out on the ether, and some people are kind of over his comeback, but this could be good. This could be a good step up, especially with the whole neck angle. Yeah. And then they announced it was going to be a crown jewel, and I was like, oh, well, I'm not watching that. Yep. Oh, well, goodbye. <laughs> yep. They ruined that for me. And it, it's sad because it was the first time they actually were going to use Hell in a Cell outside of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Which I always feel like the ones they use outside of the actual Hell in a Cell pay-per-view are a lot better. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they always are. So, I mean, I don't know. Way to ruin it. Go away, pay-per-view. Yeah. So, so that's a thing. Um, so now let's just go jump right into the AEW stuff. And uh, they recently unveiled the new TBS Women's Championship. Uh, let me get let me get your thoughts on that. What 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 are your thoughts on the TBS Women's Championship? Um, well, I'll tell you Mrs. Jobber's thoughts first because she did she thought it was ugly. She thought the title was ugly, even though it's kind of the exact same title as the TNT title. Um, which essentially it is. It's essentially the mid-card title for women. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to call it the TBS because we're moving one show to TBS. Um, and we can't think of a good women's title that sounds like it's not a mid-card title. So <laughs> so they went with the TBS title. Um, it is what it is. I wish they would have gone with a different design than um, the exact same one as the TNT one. But at the same time, um, some people were like, "Oh, you know, they just copied the same title." But I, I tend to, I tend to think, well, you can't name me a title that looks different other than the U.S. and Intercontinental from the main roster on WWE. So it's not like they're the first ones to copy a title, and at least it's only one. Yeah. Um, because the the men's titles look alike, the women's titles look alike. And then the uh, tag the titles, tag look, titles like. look alike. The, yeah, the only titles that really don't look like anything, I would probably say, are the women's tag titles on top of the U.S. and Intercontinental. And even then, that's kind of a stretch because the women's titles kind look of... Look exactly the same for each show. Yeah. They're just different colors. Yeah, they kind of look the same as the men's tag titles, just slightly modified. Mm. The U.S. and Intercontinental so, are the only outside titles so i mean yeah i will say it's fine i get it i'm not putting too much pressure on them to create amazing new titles every time they turn around the tnt was a good design the tag titles were a good design the the AEW title was a good design i like how classic the AEW women's title looks and no one has titles like that that look so retro anymore. Um, besides the NXT North American title, maybe. Um, so I appreciate that and the NWA titles, but you know. I will say I had a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Okay. Um, and it's not even really a conspiracy theory, but this is just me, you know, sitting in my garage thinking. Um for their new title that they unveiled, since they're jumping to a new network, would it be kind of, would it be out of the realm of possibility if these networks are picking which type of title 
that they want to have for their show? Oh, um, you, we did, we did, uh, we did think about this for a second. I think that would be an amazing idea um, because it gives the network a chance to be involved in booking in some sort of way that I feel like would strengthen the relationship with the networks. Yeah. And then two, I feel like um, them being able to choose who they want to be the face mm-hmm. could be surrounded by um, some sort of fan input as well. Yeah. Like, like it'd be a situation where if TBS feels like all the people that they hear from are really behind this person. And that's somebody not near the AEW women's title. They could easily go to Tony Khan and be like, hey, we want the face of TBS to be her on the show. Mm-hmm. So she can be prominently displayed because fans are really behind her. We want her. Yeah, because it's So that'll be like a fan and network kind of deal. Yeah, because how WWE used to always say, like, I never forgot when I was little and I seen John Cena on the Howard Stern show. And Howard Stern asked him, why do you walk around with the big title with the big logo on it? And John said, because people see me with this big belt with this letter on it, and they know I work for the WWE. They know I represent the company. So mm. that makes that makes me think, like, these networks, like TNT and now TBS, maybe they're picking the champions that they want to represent them. Like maybe, you know, TBS might see Ty Conti and be like, we want her to represent us. We want her to walk around with our logo and represent us as a champion. And then mm. Ty Conti's the TBS champ. And then over time they see, you know, I don't know, let's say Thunder Rosa getting popular. And they're like, no, we want Thunder Rosa representing us. And so on and so on. So I think it just opens more opportunities, not only for more women just to be champions, but for more women to be nationally recognized on TBS and AEW, not just AEW. Yeah, and speaking to that, piggybacking off of that, I feel like that should come with certain perks as well. Like, there's, um, I feel like there should be some level of, um, media or like commercials, mm-hmm. promotional, yeah, uh, rewards that come with having the title mm-hmm. for TNT and for TBS. Like now, you appear in certain TBS commercials, yeah, or TNT commercials, or like you know, certain sponsored. Uh, certain sponsorships, certain commercial spots for different sponsors. I feel like that should come with certain. Yeah. If you're gonna go that way, like we should go all the way with that. Like, let me get involved in certain things that you're doing, and represent you at this thing as their TBS champion. Yeah, and I like TBS is sponsoring this, and the TBS champion will be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because TNT is more known as, like, kind of grittier anyway. 
So the people that they've had yeah. as champions now have been relatively gritty, like aside from maybe Cody. Like uh Brody Lee, pretty gritty dude. And then you got people mm-hmm. like uh Darby Allen, and now you got uh Sammy uh Sammy Guevara, all pretty rough people. Mm-hmm. So TBS is more of I don't want to say a wholesome company, but you know, you can you can get people like Ty Conti, you can get people like Sky Blue, people that you know mm-hmm. are kind of like not as rough and tough and you can still put them in you know wholesome not but very marketable yeah you can still market them to put them in commercials and guest appearances and media stuff and they can still be presentable and represent the company well i feel like that's a great idea i still feel like there's two things they need to do with the title team that they haven't done yet though even though coming up with the tbs mid-card women's title is a great idea Mm mm-hmm because there's certain people that all feel main event level and you can't it's it's only so long that you can have that many qualifying women with nothing to fight for and keep them all feeling as important. Yeah. So it was a very smart idea to come up with a mid card title because when you got a uh, when you got a card that has like Nyla Rose and uh Ty Conti and um, Penelope, not Penelope before, uh, The Bunny mm-hmm. was getting up there. Ruby Soho's now there. Thunder Rose is now there. Like, there's too many people in the main event scene that now feels like everyone, like somebody should have something. Yeah. Somebody has to be the wall before the main event scene now because it's too many people that are too good. Yep. So it was a great idea for that. I still believe that they need to come up with trios titles. And I I still feel like... I think that'll wind up happening sooner or later. I feel like it needs to. I feel like there's too many... There's too many groups to not have trios titles. Exactly. There's too many three, four, five-man groups that they have where there's no trios title. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that needs to come and I feel like at some point Tony Khan and Taz should have a sit down talk and be like look man no one cares about the FTW (laughs) so what we're going to do is I'm going to make an announcement as Tony Khan or Cody can make the announcement because he's Cody um Somebody's going to come out after you guys are sitting in the ether for a while. And we're going to announce that we're declaring the FTW title as an official AEW title. And we're making it the official hardcore title. It can only be defended under no holds barred conditions. I was going to say either that or I know some people are not a big fan of this. Some people might like it. Some people might not. I know a certain somebody in particular, shout out Fetz, who won't like this idea, but what if they kind of made it like an option C title? Oh, where you can cash it in for a title shot? Yeah, what if they did that with it? I never thought about that. Just because they have so many like people on the roster, as is, and you already yeah. got a mid-card title in your TNT title, you already have 
you know, your tag titles. You about to have another women's mid card title. An option C mm-hmm. title might not be, you know, the worst case scenario. And you don't have to cash it in and not have your champion be in a feud. Like your champion can be in the middle of the feud. And you can still mm-hmm. cash that drawn in, but you can only cash it in up until like the match, like right before the match starts. Like you can't cash it in and make it a one on one. If there's already a one on one match, boom, you cash it in. Now it's a triple threat, but it can't be like during the match. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You know what? So you make it different than the money in I'm, the bank. I'm behind it. I'm behind it now because it fits. It fit. I'll tell you why. Because it would mean so much more to Taz's organization if. If not only, not only like, uh, like I feel like they should have some big feud with Cody first, mm-hmm. because that's how it started. It started with them coming out every show, upset and Taz being down Cody's door. Like, why won't you recognize the FTW title? I feel like he should have some big blow up with Cody or management or whatever. And then they should be like, okay, Taz, we'll recognize your title um, and then give it the condition or or in the spirit, or Taz can ask for it. Taz can be like, and in the spirit of this title, meaning that we take what we want, I wanted, I wanted, um, I wanted to be an option C title. Mm-hmm. I want us to be able to turn the title in for a title shot anytime we want. Yeah. Because that's what the title recognizes. Yeah, I mean... I made this title because they wouldn't put the title on me because the champs were too scared. Mm-hmm. So now I want this title to be able to challenge any title when it wants as an option C title. Yeah, and then you just you just make the rules to where you can't cash it in during a match and you can't cash it mm-hmm. in after a match. It has to be before a match is scheduled to start. So, like, if there's a triple threat between, I don't know, Omega, Moxley, and let's say Darby Allen. Let's say that's a, that's a triple threat match for the pay-per-view. As mm-hmm. soon as right before the bell rings, that is the deadline of when you can cash that title in and mm-hmm. join a match and be a part of it. Can't do it during. You can't do it after. It's got to be before a bell rings. Or because now, and then you, you know how many months of writing you could do after that? Mm-hmm. Like you have that big blow up. You could, you could almost have a year process for that. Yeah, like you could, you could have them going at it with Cody for like two, three months. You could announce that it's an option C title. Then you could run the next maybe six months of whoever in the in the uh, team Taz camp holding it. Now having a target on their chest. So now instead of them starting fights with dudes, people are starting fights with them to get that belt now. Yeah. Now they have to defend the FTW title to keep it in the Taz camp for months before they can even find a way to challenge for the yeah for whoever the champ is at the time. See, so it makes sense. I mean, I know a lot of people weren't a fan of option C. Like maybe they just didn't dig the concept, or maybe it was just the guy who created it. But mm-hmm. 
it's not a bad concept when you really like sit down and think about it. And it's a great, it's a great, um, it does two things. On top of making an option C, now what it does is it makes team tags relevant. Mm-hmm. Because now they can run for at least two years. <laughs> just just off the basis of now keeping the title they worked so hard to be recognized in their camp. Yeah. You can go years off that. You got four people in the group mm-hmm. or three people. You got three people in the group. You can run a year of just them one of the three yep. trying to get it. And keep it in the camp and then inner camp imploding because they're all trying to be like, oh, well, I should be champ, I should be champ, I should be champ. So now it helps Team Taz stay relevant for a year or two. Um, easy writing. And then on top of that, it now creates a space for all the people that they have on the roster that they don't have anything for, really, that are just kind of earning their wins on dark and not really having anywhere to go. Because the biggest problem with Team Taz is they don't feel legit and they're just kind of in their own world. They're not interrupting anybody else. Since the Darby Allen thing, they've just been kind of their own segment of the show. Now, for all the other people on Dark that don't get main uh, elevation or not elevation, who don't get Dynamite or Rampage time, they have something to do now. Mm-hmm. Now they can fight in that gray area of the FTW title. And you still don't have to really include them in main storylines because they're an option C. So now if you have a guy you want to cash in on eventually, you can just keep him in the mid card until you feel like it's a time to utilize that person. Yeah. And then it just and then it just books itself from there if, if it's done right. Mm. That's a very great idea. Yeah, I mean I was just Who would you say wasn't behind this? I just I just didn't think uh I know some people aren't a fan of option C. Feds being one of the people who's not an option C fan. I don't know if it's because he didn't like the concept or it's because he didn't like Austin Aries, but I know mm. I know Fetz wasn't an option C person. I, it, it might be because he didn't like Austin Aries, and if that's the case, I can't blame him. I totally get it. There's, there's, yeah, totally there's a lot it. of people that don't like Austin Aries. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally understand that. I mean, that's the reason why I didn't like that. I, I think Austin Aries for him is like TJP for me. Ah, uh, okay. Um, that makes sense. But uh, another thing that happened, CM Punk, this was on uh, Rampage, but Joey Reckless was at the show in Philly, and they shot all three shows at once. Um, he got to watch the, uh, the CM Punk match against Daniel Garcia, and he told me to watch it because there was something in there that he said I was going to pop for. Mm. So I'm watching the match, and, you know, it's a very it's a good Punk match. Uh, he hits a couple of his moves that he's been hitting, but he's also he also brought out a couple moves that he hasn't hit before or hasn't hit in a long time. Um, one of the moves being the the pile driver, 
which I guess he, mm. I guess he used to call the Pepsi Plunge. Um, is that the Pepsi Plunge? I think that's what he used to call the Pepsi Plunge. Okay. Uh, and then, but he pulled the he went to go hit the pinfall. Before he went for the pinfall, he pulled Daniel Garcia into the center of the ring, and he did my heart so good. He put on the Anaconda Vice. Anaconda Vice. I knew it. <laughs> in, Anaconda in Vice. Philadelphia, he put on the Anaconda Vice. Nice. And all I have to say is, son of a bitch, I wish I was there. Yeah, man. Shout out to shout out to uh, Reckless Figs, man. Um, I was supposed to be going to that show with them, but we had car trouble and couldn't make it. But man, uh, it would have been amazing to see Punk versus Garcia and uh, to see him relock on the Anaconda device for the first time. Hey, I could have seen it was seven years. I I would have been happy with seeing Punk put the Anaconda device on a damn broomstick. As long as it's just the Anaconda Vice, man, I'd have been happy just to see that. Yeah, I can't be I can't be too upset though. I went through some pretty amazing things in the past week, so. Um, we hey hey hey, what's this say? We're all, that we won't uh, we won't talk about. We're at one already. <laughs> so for we won't talk so for the flip off yeah, count, it was, a, it was a great experience. For the flip off count, we're at one. It's a very, Let's see. It's a very amazing experience. Duke's flipping me off. We got one on the count. That's it. Now you got two. Oh. Um, another thing was the uh, casino ladder match. Um, this was a decent match, in my opinion. Um, now on first glance of watching the match, I, I was upset at um Adam Page because Adam Page was the Joker. Now, that had me a little upset at first. Um, But then I sat back and I thought about it. AEW, since the inception of these uh, casino matches, have had a random return as the Joker. And the random return being, you know, Ruby Soho or, you know, somebody new that's coming into debut. But I can't really... I can't really get upset at them using Adam Page as as the uh, Joker because you can only bring in so many people. Like you can only have so many people come in and debut as the Joker that if you do it too much, I think people are going to think that it gets stale. Plus Adam Page was injured, had to come back from the uh, the little injury that he had. And apparently he got a huge pop, so I think the only one who was upset at this pop was Joey Reckless. But at first I was too, but then after thinking about it, there's really not much that they could have done here because you can only bring in so many new people to debut. So I think for me, having Paige as the Joker isn't really a bad thing, but what do you think? Um, I was a little upset that it was Paige at first, but then, like you said, I was like, they can't, they can't keep bringing in new signings every time they use the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. 
because in a year's time it would just be ridiculous. Yeah. So, so as much as I was hoping that would be when uh, Leo Rush redebuted, um, and I was also kind of going for maybe Bray, but I didn't think so. But I was like, maybe Leo. Leo seems a little easier for a ladder match, but. I got over it. I mean, they, they. I'm glad it was Paige. They gotta. Um, they made the right decision. They gotta elevate their talent. Sometimes, you know, they can't just keep using talent from other promotions. Yeah, and I so I'm glad they used Paige, and also I'm glad Paige won. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was kind of looking at the card before the results and learning that Adam Page was the Joker. And I was looking at the card like, I just couldn't find somebody I could get behind winning the match. Yeah. Like, Andrade, great. Pac, great. But it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like they were ready for that kind of thing. Um, Because Pac had been having so many travel issues. Mm -hmm. And... It didn't feel like it didn't feel like um, it didn't feel like they were ready for uh, Andrade to take that step. Yeah. And who else was on the card? Moxley was there, but. Moxley's doing too many international things. Yeah, plus it didn't feel right. Plus been there, done that. Plus been there, done that. I think Christian might have been on the card. Was Christian in, in that ladder match? Um I'm trying to remember. I know Matt was. Matt was in there, yeah. And Matt didn't feel right. No, no. Matt and Matt almost never does. <laughs> well Matt's it, it, it felt like Orange Cassidy. It, it's not Orange Cassidy. I was confusing Orange Cassidy with Christian. Um, understandable. Don't ask me how I did it, but uh, uh, understandable. <laughs> they, yeah. Um, and Lance Archer, who wasn't going to get it because he's New Japan, United States champion. Because he's Lance Archer. Um, yeah, and because he's Lance Archer, I think he's more popular in Japan than he probably ever will be in the states. Even with Jake the Snake as his manager. But um, I digress. Orange Cassidy, who I really still can't get behind as a world champion. As much as people love Orange Cassidy, he's still got to reach somewhere beyond the gimmick. Yeah, I, I think that's his ceiling. His ceiling is going to be the gimmick for the most part. Maybe a mid-card champ, but... It, he, it's going to be hard for him to exceed his gimmick. Like he's just going to be—he's going to be one of those that are solely popular because of his gimmick. It's going to be like a Damian Sandow in WWE, uh, the Z True Long Island story of Zack Ryder, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Like nobody's seen Zack Ryder as a world champion. He only got the mid card title because fans were clamoring at his popularity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be the extent of Orange Cassidy. He's going to be like a Damian Sandow, Zack Ryder type. Not Matt Cardona. He's going to be a Zack Ryder type. Damn. 
Which Matt Cardona ceiling is so much higher though. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it is. It's just he he became a, he yeah, became a yeah, creature of a gimmick as Zack Ryder. Yeah, which is no but, um, no knock to him, but it just is that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was looking at the card and I was like, I don't feel like anybody really is in a position to win this thing. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of depending on the Joker card to make everything make sense. Um, so I was upset at first it was Adam Page, but then Adam Page won, and I was like, well, now it makes sense. Yeah. As to why everyone else seems so, like, not it. Because we hadn't seen Adam Page for forever since he left. Um, not left. But he like disassociated himself from the dark order. Yeah, I think he was and he he, he was still uh, of, nursing an injury too. Yeah. So he needed that kind of uh, that kind of restart. Yeah, I, I might be wrong, but I wanna say it was like his shoulder or his elbow. Yeah, he had like a minor injury in his shoulder or his elbow. Mm. I could see it being elbow thing. But yeah, he needed he needed a restart because the Dark Order stuff wasn't going anywhere if you weren't joining the Dark Order. Mm-hmm. So he needed kind of a restart from this um, writing. I don't want to say hell, but like writing circle that they were going in. Yeah, it was literally like he was written into a corner. Mm-hmm. So good restart way to reprioritize Hangman. And um, I just, I just, the only thing I worried about was that it might be too soon. Like, him and Kenny have had an ongoing thing, but it still doesn't feel like I can get behind him being world champ now. Like, it doesn't feel believable that he'll beat Kenny. Even though he most likely will. Even though he most likely will. But it still feels like, I don't know. Because at the same time, I didn't see Christian beating him on Rampage for the Impact World Titles. So I can't say it's not a possibility that Hangman could beat him. I just feel like the story should be a little more flushed out and not so rushed. Because this is kind of like a start and stop thing that they're doing with him and Kenny. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like it's been consistent months of preparation. It's felt like little seeds here and there between other storylines of Hangman not being good enough. Yeah, so most most likely, if if you put it like that, it's been like little seeds of him being not on Kenny's level and not being good enough then it's most likely going to end with him taking the title from Kenny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just wish that... Uh, not that they did it in a tighter time frame, but that it felt like both of them focused on that. I mean, I'll say it that way. I mean, unless they... Because Hangman, for the most part, that's been his story arc, mm-hmm. is falling out of the elite and not knowing who to trust and not knowing who he is and not feeling on everyone's level. 
but Kenny his he's he's like not even cared at all about Hangman to the point where it's laughable to even consider that Hangman is any kind of a threat to him. I mean, there's a way they can turn this into like long-term storytelling. Like they could just take everything that they've done and not done and they could still turn it mm-hmm. into a story. It just has to be done the right way, which which I'm pretty sure they can they can do fairly easily. Like it's going to take a little bit, but you can find a way to take everything you've done and haven't done and book it in the one story to where a lot of people want Hangman to win. Mm. If they if they gave it like a week or two of great promo work, yeah, I could see it. Like like I if can you can it. let Paige just give that heartfelt promo to where you know it makes the fan think, "Fuck, they really did do Adam Page dirty." They really did mm-hmm. make him think he wasn't better than Kenny Omega. And then you, you've seen mm-hmm. what he did in the ladder match. You see what he's doing to the elite right now. And then you make them think, fuck yeah, he's better than Kenny. It just, you just got to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And Paige just has to promo it the right way. Mm-hmm. I need Kenny to set it up the two, though. Yeah, I mean, Ken- like after, Kenny can after set it up Hangman too. does this, after this heartfelt Paige thing, I need Kenny to come with some hard facts mm-hmm. and some like uh, painful truths. Uh, yeah, and and his and his Literally. little short quip, smart ass comments that he gives. Exactly. So that way they can put it into a really good video package mm-hmm. <laughs> before the match to be like, okay, this is where we're at here. Like you're not anywhere on my level after Paige gives this heartfelt like I've come a long way and I feel like I'm finally ready kind of thing they need to give it the vibes of i'm trying to think of something aw has done before that would make it work remember when marty Skrull fought uh okada at all out or all in i should say mm-hmm. before aw was an official thing mm-hmm when they made Marty with the, yeah, with the 205 comments and the, and the, and the puppets just, you know, saying all the comments that everybody was saying about Marty's girl mm-hmm. and then Marty just breaking all the puppets and stuff or snapping their fingers or whatever. If they could do it like that, I mean, granted, hopefully not with puppets, but you, but something like that, then it could work. Cause people halfway through the match were like, Oh shit, we want, Half of the crowd done switched. They kind of wanted Marty to win. Yeah, it, it, it after he uh, after it kind of had this story of being underestimated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like it, it could be a real David and Goliath kind of situation. Yeah. Um, let's see what else do we have. I, I think that's everything I got for AEW. Um. I think the small news I have elsewhere is for uh, GCW. Uh, They just recently had a show on October the 9th and it ended, well, it didn't really end, but one of the main things of the show was the Briscoe brothers broke through their own forbidden door, if you will, and popped up on the GCW show to challenge second gear crew for the tag titles. Mm. Now, Anybody who doesn't know who the Briscoe brothers are, you need to get you need to get your head out from whatever rock you have it buried under. 
and go check these fools out over on Ring of Honor because they've been probably the best Ring of Honor tag team. Maybe second to the Bucks. But as far as like longevity and everything else like that and quality, they've probably been the best tag team Ring of Honor's ever had. Like when you think Ring of Honor tag teams, you probably think the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I was pretty hyped to see the Briscoes jump over to GCW and challenge uh, second gear crew for the tag titles. Now, there's no word yet on if it's official, when it's going to happen, but you don't just pop up on a show and challenge for tag titles or any type of title and have it not happen. So whenever the Briscoes get that shot, I'm going to be watching GCW because I want to see the brutality that they bring to GCW. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like home, or at least it should, like... The, just the Briscoe style. It's very GCW anyway. Yeah, it's like GCW. It's very friendly. hardcore. It's very raw and gritty. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it already fits their style. Already fits the GCW time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't see. See. Well, this is the thing. After Matt Cardona won the won the world title. I don't put anything past GCW. So they very well might win those belts, their first, their debut match. Probably. (laughs) Because I put nothing past the GCW management now. Yeah, no, they, 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 they right up there. They might be up there with AEW management. They might do anything and anything to get a pop. Mm. They've had some killer match. Like they just had Joey Janela fight a, Suzuki. Oh, yeah, Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, I seen that. So, I, listen, they, they they know what the people want, man. Mm-hmm. So, I, I wouldn't put it past them. The Briscoes winning the GCW tag titles. Yeah. It, Definitely wouldn't put it past them. So, if that's the case, whenever, whenever they book that match, I'm going to need to watch that just for the Briscoe brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, they still got our, our boys got a group over there called Young, Dumb, and Broke, uh, Jordan Oliver. Yeah, yep. They're very finger on the pulse over there in GCW, so. Yeah. Um, but that's all I had for GCW. Um, and also, this past Saturday, was it Saturday? Yeah, this past Saturday, they had, a. The Impact Knockouts Knockdown show, which was essentially their, um, it was like their women's, I guess their women's revolution show. And this, quite honestly, might have been, in my opinion, one of the best all women shows any promotion has ever done. Like, I'd probably put this right up there with, uh, what was it, the... um. I put it right up there with the NWA show, which is funny considering WWE was all about the women's revolution and, you know, the women's being at the forefront and their show was trash. Like this, their show was like trash, trash, but the impact, uh, knockouts, knockdown show, it was really good. They did some good stuff over there. Uh, 
they started with the uh, the ten bell salute for Daphne, which I thought was pretty dope. And then they had the guys and the girls out there for that. That was a uh, that was pretty interesting. Uh, in my book, I I like the fact that they did that for Daphne, that they had the guys and the girls out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they put together a really good card. Shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't. I I I wasn't exactly sure what um what the event was at first. Yeah, and then it slowly hit me because you can't unless you have certain TV channels. I only occasionally have cable, <laughs> depending on um, what house I'm staying at. So uh, I can't I can't keep up with TNA unless it's through social media mostly. Yeah, and YouTube or whatever. But um, I hadn't realized that they were putting together an entire women's show until like really looking at the card and seeing what was going to happen and I was like oh it's Saturday this is you know you know what we'll, kind of accumulating what the event was going to be you know what when we get off of here I, I, I got something to send you that might help you with uh that, that might help you with your impact pay-per-view troubles but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um well um but on top of that, like big shout out to Mickey James mm-hmm. because it feels like what happened here was that NWA's Empower went really well, and then um, TNA management or Impact management went to Mickey James and said, uh, "Hey, <laughs> why don't we why don't we do that a second time?" over here mm-hmm. <laughs> and you plan our um, our pay-per-view for an all-women's knockouts thing because she's a knockout original. Yeah. Um, and who better where better to have an all-women's pay-per-view than Impact Wrestle. Yeah. The originators of um, true women wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because their um the video package that they showed was pretty badass. And when you actually sat back and you watched it, you're like, damn, they really did have quite the women's division back in the day. Like you look at hell yeah, you look at like like you think of certain people and you're like, oh yeah, they're they're Impact or they're TNA. But then you actually like look at the video. And you're like, shit, ODB, uh, Jacqueline Moore, uh, Victoria, Gail Kim, mm. when, where Gail mm. Kim was fucking appreciated. Mm. Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, mm-hmm. Awesome Kong, who we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. Like, you had so many, uh, Christy Hemi, you had so many great mm-hmm. women over there that were able to showcase their talent. And it's like, damn, they didn't look like divas. They, they did, but they didn't. And they fought mm-hmm. better than Divas. Yeah. Like Mickey James, Tara, um, like you said, Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Also was really big over there. Um, you said most of them. I really love the beautiful people when I was there. Yeah. Um, 
most of them were heels. I'm trying to think of some of the faces. <laughs> oh, I, ODB was a well, ODB was a face. ODB was a face. She was a Stone Cold type. Yeah, face. ODB was a face. Um, Gail Kim, I think, trickled back and forth between heel and face. She was a, yeah, she was a back and forth because uh, I think she started with um, not with Bobby Roode, but with uh, uh, the Wildcat Chris Harris. Yeah. Um, when they were when they were there, I think Wildcat Chris Harrison, uh, I believe maybe Cowboy James Storm. Um, but there was there was a lot of them that were that were not just doing regular matches. Like they were getting good TV time. Mm-hmm. They were having tables matches, ladders matches, uh, TLC matches, hardcore matches. And they and they weren't they were, yeah they weren't just relegated to the like the bra and panties matches that divas were having back then or the 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 pie eating contest or the mud fights or the mm-hmm. the fucking fuzzy furry whatever the fuck fights like damn that that should be a match a funny furry whatever the fuck fight <laughs> no but it was it was a good show. Um, some great high spots in that show. The Monsters Ball Memorial for Daphne was a banger. That match was great. Uh, our best spot of the match, man, former wrestler of the pod, Jordan Grace. Hits the, yes. hit the muscle buster on some thumbtacks. Like, that was wild. And then, Yeah, very, very cool spot, man. Very cool spot. She posted the picture. And uh, I, I forget exactly what she wrote, but she wrote something along the lines of, I can do some shit. <laughs> and it was her doing the muscle buster on the thumbtacks. Yeah, man, she's no, she's no freaking joke. Like, and the years that I've been watching, mm-hmm. I've found her, um, I found her to be really the heart of the women's division through the pandemic and them trying to find stuff out and figure out like how to become the impact of old again. Yeah. Like through their entire transition period, through COVID, through bad cable networking, they really, they really kind of put um, impact women's division or knockouts division mm-hmm. on her shoulders and Tessa Blanchard's shoulders. Yeah. Um, and while both of them knocked it out of the park at one point, um, she's had a, when all the stuff happened with Tessa Blanchard, she kind of took the ball and ran with it as far as she could mm-hmm. until they found Deanna Peraza. So or until they landed Deanna Peraza after she got cut for being in writing nowhere with WWE. How did they Well, well, speaking on, um, I was going to say, speaking on Deanna Peraza, she had a banger of her own with another former wrestler of the pod, uh, yes. Masha Slamovich. So again, like, not to call myself an evil genius, but she was a three-time wrestler of the pod 
and the very first wrestler of the pod a year ago when she was just moving to the States from Japan. I called this. Like, I said, Masha Slamovich is going to be a star. Mm-hmm. And she has done absolutely nothing but impress since the day I started. <laughs> like, I don't know if I spoke it into existence. It was probably most of her hard work. But I would say 2% of that might be me speaking it into existence all those years ago. Or a year ago. It wasn't that long. <laughs> but but that only speaks to how great and how far she's moved. Like mm-hmm. She wasn't on the card with half the notable names that she is now. Yeah. Um, just a year ago. So she came so far. Um, you think Thunder Rosa, um, Sienna, Jody Threat, uh, legit Layla Hirsch was on AEW now, uh, Penelope Ford. Um, she's she's been in there with so many people now. Yeah, that she wasn't a shoot. Um, one of the chicks from MLW. Um, she was in there with. She's she's, and she's been on she's been on every different. Um, every different independent wrestling company in the States with names like Leo Rush and Tony Deppin. And she's just rise so fast. And I think her being at Empower um, and maybe Thunder Rosa working with um, Thunder Rosa working with Mickey James to try and create that card. Mickey James really saw how great uh, Masha was and chose her to be in the picture poison match mm-hmm. because that came really out of nowhere. Yeah, there was no build, there was no sign of Masha Slamovich making it to impact. She had way, way, way back, she had had a uh, I don't even know if it was a TV match, it might have been a dark match with, jo- with Jordan Grace. Mm-hmm. So like that was years ago. So there and she hasn't. I don't think she's been on Impact since. So it, it really was a full circle kind of like. I don't know. Like everything fell into place for this. Yeah. For her to be chosen out of nobody. So now she's shown on a whole on a show that's now got probably the most viewers it's been having since the to the early two thousands. Yeah, she's introduced to a whole new crowd that's not just on YouTube um, for all the people because I think you can get it on Fight TV. So that whole Fight TV crowd, um, plus whatever fans were in attendance, there are so many people that had to witness her for the first time and her crazy new wicked hairdo that was inspired by one of the uh, old Russian veteran wrestlers. Um, I'm glad you said that because I thought it was Frankenstein. Uh, no, no, it's it's a, it's a tribute to. I can't remember her name, but I know exactly who she's wearing okay. her hair for. Well, that makes it better. Um, yeah, because I saw it the first time when she was on um, Empower, and it made me think of her. And then she put the side by side there after, and I was like, "See, I knew." But anyway, I digress. Um, she's introduced to a whole new crowd. 
with one of the, with considerably the very best female wrestler in the independence today, Deanna Peraza. Mm -hmm. That's a huge step, man. From being in an NWA battle royal is one thing, but having a one-on-one spotlight with one of the absolute best. Yeah. This early and coming to the States, huge, huge. Definitely. And nobody expects her to win, of course, but it's still it's still a, it's still a nice thing can, to see. Exactly. That that it still shows that the hard that work extra, is paying off and it's and it's being shown that you know we we trust you and you got potential and you could be a world mm-hmm. champ one day. That extra industry spotlight is everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. So um another spotlight you're probably gonna enjoy. Uh, it feels like Impact just did you write this show, bro, uh, because the Knockouts Knockdown Cup, I guess is what they're calling it. Yes. Oh, um, I had so many things to be happy about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the winner of said cup is none other than former. Well, I shouldn't even say former. I'm just going to say recently fired by WWE, uh, which you know, seems to be like their loss is Impact's gain. Mercedes Martinez has won the cup and beats Tasha Steeles. Yo, somebody gave my girl her flowers. Finally. <laughs> it is about time. Gail Kim did it right. Too long. Gail Kim did I've been it right. Man. Too long, man. Like, thank God, man. I've been waiting too long for somebody to give my girl her flowers. Mercedes Martinez is a veteran in this industry. She is one of the absolute best. Most of the people you know that you respect have gone through her and have learned from her. And it is a damn shame that she hasn't been recognized until just now. I mean, she's been Shimmer World Champion before. She's been Shimmer Tag Champion. She was a mentor to um, Shayna Baszler when she was coming up in the industry. She's been a mentor to Ivelisse. She's like, she's wrestled Mm -hmm. with whoever there is to wrestle with that has ever made a name for themselves. She's a shimmer veteran, which is saying something because you look at damn near all of WWE's women and they've all gone through shimmer. Sasha, Bailey, Becky. Oh my Shit, the people, the people, the four horse women, basically. Right, damn near everybody. Even Ruby Soho was in there with her. Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. Like there isn't anybody who's anybody Sarah who's Logan. Through Shimmer. Nikki Cross. Everyone. I think probably the only person who hasn't gone through Shimmer. Let's see, I can't even. Naomi and Liv. And maybe Natalia. Yeah, maybe Naomi and Liv, because even Oscar went through Shimmer. Maybe Natalia. Maybe. And yeah, that's a big maybe for Natalia. I think Naomi and Liv so, are the only two. Yeah. So so it's 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 crazy that it's taken this long. One for and, and it's crazy. I don't even know if she's gonna be staying at impact. I'll take that. I don't know if, whether if she's like officially getting her a contract. Whether she stays or not, she won the cup. You ain't taking that away. I'm happy. But that's exactly. But that's my point. I'll take it. So like, even if she doesn't make impact to home, 
she's there's finally somewhere that has recognized her for all that she's done mm-hmm. for the women in this industry. And of course, Thunder Rosa and Mickey James were the ones to, that finally were like, hey, she's been the greatest for too long for us to not give her a spotlight to shine and appreciate her on that level. Yeah. Because if nobody else is going to give you a home, at least you can have a moment to the moment that recognize you fucking who you are. Yes. Exactly. Like, I've been waiting, like, I thought I was, I was overjoyed at every little bit, um, every little bit she's accomplished since I discovered Shayna Baszler could wrestle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being totally transparent because I found out Shayna could wrestle and I'm a huge fan of Shayna, so I went back and found what her whole journey was yeah. any matches I could find. And sure enough. And she was tied to she was tied to two women. She was tied to Nicole Savoy and Mercedes Martinez. Mm-hmm. And Nicole Savoy is still running it on the Indies. I got to see her for the first time live um last week. It was amazing, even though she got hurt. Um she had a killer match. And now I'm getting to see Mercedes Martinez finally get recognized for something um, that holds a, a good significance. Yeah. And I felt like it was supposed to happen for her in WWE and it didn't happen. Um, I felt like there was a good shot when she showed up um, to the women's uh, buy-in in AEW and nothing came out of it. But this feels like, okay, now we've, you know what I mean, some sort of recognition, some sort of declaration that she is important as she is. Okay, yeah. This did everything for me. This pay-per-view was absolutely amazing. They did everything right. Um, I got two more. I'm totally biased, but still. Well, no, you, you have every right to be because, I mean, I might be biased too, but it's, it's rightful bias because this was a great show. Um, a lot of people were excited for this show because they said it did better than the WWE one, which isn't really much of a surprise. Um, yeah, just, just. but they do have, I do got two more things I want to discuss. We talk about all the great matches already now, a couple of the great moments, uh, inspiration formerly known as the iconics are coming to impact. Um, not a surprising move. But the best move for them, in my mind, because because yeah. we just talked about you know how good they do with their women over there in Impact. Sometimes the women put on some of the best shows, the best main events of the last couple of years. So this isn't a bad move for them. I think that they fit over there really well. Um, they can do whatever. They can go for the tag titles, and they can go fight Decay. Um, or they can, you know, just do a singles run and go after Deanna Perrazzo and her woman's title. There's a number of things they can do. Um, is if they take the Iconics gimmick and tweak it just a little bit, maybe they can come off a little more brash and, like, maybe a little bit more tough, then, mm-hmm. then they could work well in Impact. Because you, you can't be doing the, oh, 
blood bullshit and like trying to like pretend to be a goddess or whatever. But you know, if if you make the inspiration gimmick work, then you guys could be good over there. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like it doesn't take too much. I feel like if they can find it at a place where they can be sort of the beautiful people. Yeah. Be the beautiful people that can still kick some ass. Um, if you be the beautiful people and you have Peyton Royce <laughs> to do a majority of the wrestling and have it be like a, um, a DIY angle mm-hmm. where um, Peyton Royce is the Tommaso Ciampa of the group. Damn, we just go. <laughs> they haven't even debuted yet, and we already kicking Billy Kate to the back. Not, not, <laughs> not in a, not in a, not in a breakup kind of way, but like. No, way, I know what like, you mean. She, she just Johnny Gargano. We already putting this one to the front. Like this is the one we like more. So, you guys are equals, but you know you're one A and you're one B. So you, yeah, you're you're just a, right there. It's a there. slow build though. It's a slow build, though. You got to remember, during DIY, Johnny was the one everyone had their eye on. And it wasn't until the breakup that we were like, oh, Tommaso's better. <laughs> so so run it, run the, run it the beautiful people way. Um, and have Billy Kay be like the really facey person that takes all the punishment. And have Peyton Royce be like the actual, like, technical wrestler in the situation that kind of wins the matches for them. And I feel like we'll have a good angle. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I have is probably not the most exciting thing for you, but it is for me. Um, we mentioned this person earlier when we were talking about the promo videos and all the knockouts and whatnot. Awesome Kong is the newest inductee into the Impact Hall of Fame. And it might not sound like a huge accomplishment to most listeners, but for me, Awesome Kong is probably one of my favorite women's wrestlers to watch because of how different she is than any other women's wrestler. Like, yeah, sure, you have, you know, your Chinas and stuff like that, but I think China was before her time. I think mm-hmm. Awesome Kong came around at the right time, the right moment. Kong. In the right company. Yeah, in the right company. And Kong was the shit. Like, she was the shit in Impact. She came to WWE. She was the shit for about, like, a minute. And then something happened. And then, you know, she kind of fell off. But Kong was the shit in Impact. So seeing mm-hmm. her get inducted into the Hall of Fame and her, you know, home company the place that she calls home that was like the icing on the cake for me for that uh pay-per-view and to have get to have uh gail kim and christy hemi out there with her two people that were there while she was home in impact that made it even better it's kind of like it's kind of like inducting roman reigns into the hall of fame and having seth rollins and dean ambrose there with him <laughs> I mean, granted, she she might not be a Roman Reigns type, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's something along those lines. It's like 
it's like inducting just X-Pac into the Hall of Fame and you got Road Dog and just there with him. Like it's it's just the person, the people that are there with you and your friends while you were at the height of your popularity. So that was cool for me to see Awesome Kong get inducted, man. Big ups to her because she definitely deserves it for the career she had. Yeah, man. Uh, so a special place in me and Mrs. Jobber's hearts, um, even though she only knew her as a uh, as um, Kong over there in WWE, but oh yeah, as a uh, Karma. Karma, yeah. Uh, but for before there was, um, like like we said, China was ahead of her time. But before the Nia Jax, before um, Beth Phoenix, even um, there was Awesome Kong, mm-hmm. and she was. I mean, just the, the impressive isn't even the word. Like she was so good at just. I don't even know how to describe it. She was so good at being a monster. Mm-hmm. She she knew how to she knew how to work for not only her character but her size and her skill set. Because it was damn near the equivalent to. Teddy Long saying you were going one-on-one with The Undertaker. Yeah. Like, the chick was no joke. She was bad news. She was everything her character was supposed to be and more. Mm -hmm. She was the definition of intimidating. And she was not only that, but she was um, pure star power, man. Yeah, in that company, I I would say probably one of the best women like not just in the ring but as far as like being true to your character like you looked at her mm-hmm. and you you saw kong you believed kong like you believed it it's like odb you looked at odb you believed that you know that woman would drink 10 beers and kick your ass the same, same thing with kong you believed that she would like look at you and just stare through your soul I, and like just crush your whole soul with the palm of her hand. And like I said, like the industry had never really seen anything like her before. I mean, there was a Japanese Kong, but I don't think, I don't even think that was until later. Yeah, that's everything. Um, you want to, you want to take the shout outs first or should I? Um, I'll take the shout outs first. I'll get, right. I'll get them out. Cool. Um, so this week, I want to make sure we shout out um, that 90s wrestling podcast. Uh, I believe they're having Matt Cardona um, on this week, which should be interesting. Um, Sweet Chin Podcast, Good Cop, Bad Cop. Um, I want to do a shout out to GSW um, for still being pretty interactive friends on Twitter. Um, to my surprise, but it, I mean, you know, it's welcome. 
Um, and the Tornado Tag Podcast and Doghouse Gaming for all your retro gaming needs. I think that sets me up. Okay, so I'm going to take our, uh, our IG and YouTube shout-outs as well. Um, as the usual, you know, Reckless Figs, D the Toy Hunter, Fetch Frequency, AJ the Collecting Legend, Poke Fritz, the Wrestling Fanatics Group, uh, I'm also going to shout out Bobby Rassels over there, All About Wrestling Podcast. He was just at the AEW show, too, and he's doing a he's doing a episode about it. Uh, I believe his episode will already have aired. It's he's recording it as we're talking, but it'll have aired uh, yesterday. So you should go check that out if you haven't All About Wrestling Podcast. Uh, and also McFly Collectibles shouts you out as well. You've been interacting with us, doing some awesome stuff. So got to show you some love. You should check him out on Instagram and YouTube. Same name, McFly Collectibles. Um, I think that's all the shout outs we have, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week. This was a great episode. Uh, I had fun with it. Stevie, I hope you have fun with it, too. Listeners, I hope hey, I had a good time, man. And listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You guys got any other questions, comments, you know, things you want us to talk about, companies you think we should check out. Drop us a drop us a comment. Come message us on IG or Twitter. We'll get back to you. We'll check it out. You guys know how it goes, man. Stay up, stay blessed. And as always, stay dangerous. Saskatchewan.